I just want to jump in here with a quick note about some changes that are happening. This podcast is now going ad-supported. What that means is I will be releasing select episodes from the hundreds of episodes I have archived now on Patreon and releasing them here. A lot of these were recorded a couple of years ago during 2020 especially. However, I have gone through them and deemed that the parenting information was still really relevant. So just be aware that some of these releases may be out of order chronologically. Also, if you would like to listen to the podcast ad-free, you can still join Patreon. I'll still be releasing podcasts there with a few bonuses. One is that it will be ad-free. One will be that you get the podcast slightly earlier than everybody else. And I'll also be doing a bonus episode every month with a Q&A that's patron specific. So if that's something you'd like to do, you can join for a dollar a month and we'll see you there. Thanks, guys. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey guys, welcome, welcome. So today I wanted to hit up a couple of questions. I wanted to highlight a few comments that I found um, hilarious or helpful <laughs> and a couple of tidbits that I've been sitting on ruminating about. <clears throat> First and foremost, I want to update you guys on my mom. She's doing great. She is home and I bought her um flashcards and these top, you know, the Melissa and Doug boards with like locks and how to tie a shoe and those kinds of things. And so she's having fun. She's still really suffering her um, consonant blends. She can't really manage those words. I gave her a flashcard with the word postage on it. And it took about seven minutes for her to get postage, <laughs> but she's doing great. And she has a sense of humor about it. And, uh, and so do we. So thank you again for all your comments, loves, hugs, virtual, virtual hugs, and all the things. I really appreciate it. So one of the tidbits I've been sitting on, and I'm sure I've mentioned it on here before, but I've been really putting it into practice and it's been pretty miraculous. And that is when anybody comes to you, a friend, a spouse, a in-law, parent, anybody at all, and they're, they're bitching about something or they have a problem, you ask, are you just venting or do you want advice? And we can even do this with our children, which is, you know, it might look like, do you just need to talk about this or do you want help fixing it? And this, again, I've known about it for a long time. I heard about it a long time ago, but it is not my nature. I am a fixer. I am pragmatic. My entire job is fixing problems for families and helping them work through stuff. So if you come to me with a problem, I want to fix it. And not because I'm pathological about it, but mostly because I'm pragmatic. I'm like, okay, here's the problem. Let's fix it. But quite often, that's not what people need. Our most basic human need is to be seen and heard in a very spiritual way, not just literally seen and heard, but authentically, deeply, personally. Do you see me? Do you see who I am? Do you hear what I have to say in a very deep manner? And a lot of times, if we're fixated on helping the person fix their problem, number one, and I will put myself at the very front of this line, I can be quite bullish about it. Like, Hey, okay, great. Like I can see things, you know, one of my gifts is really being able to see a big picture and be like, zoom in on it, you know, have this laser beam focus and say, Oh, I know what the problem is. I know what you have to do to fix it. But often people aren't ready for that or don't give a fuck (laughs) or didn't really want that from me in the first place. So I've really 
I started to do this. I can honestly say it's not second nature yet, but uh, I am putting it into practice. A sip of water so I don't choke. And it's it's miraculous. So I encourage you guys to say that. Now, <clears throat> of course, there are nuances this to this as there are everything. And one of the things is, you know, do you have somebody who is consistently complaining and has a problem and or they're emotionally dumping on you? So sometimes we get into these friendships or relationships where it's very one-sided. The care doesn't seem reciprocal and the person just sort of dumps all their emotional baggage on you and it can feel overwhelming. And that's something you have to have a boundary about and say something about. And then there are also people in our lives that they know the problem. It's right there in front of them. They know what will fix it and they are unwilling to do so. And in those cases, it gets really hard, but sometimes you do have to hold a boundary and say, okay, I don't really want to talk about this anymore because you know the solution to your problem, but you're unwilling to do it. So, you know, that's the bigger issue. (laughs) Your problem isn't the problem anymore. The problem is you're not willing to fix it. And I have been, I've actually been really examining my own life, my own patterns. And I'm constantly, I'm trying to always up-level my own human existence. And and one of those things is really taking seriously relationships. You know, looking back on some of the relationships I've shared with you, my sister, my old friend Ava, those relationships, but also looking around at my relationships, who, what, what relationships serve me really well? What relationships energize me, leave me refreshed, no matter what we're talking about, whether it's hard stuff or not hard stuff, and making sure that I don't have a lot of toxicity in my life. And we go through to extraordinary lengths to avoid toxicity in our foods and our cleaning products and our environment. And then we sit around with toxic relationships. And we know because they drain us. I mean, you usually know when you're in a toxic relationship. And I don't know why. What I've learned over the years is some people are oil and water. Some people, you know, you get into a locked pattern. Just like with our kids, we get into these negative feedback loops where like maybe our our pattern is bickering. I see my parents do that. It's like they're in that old person. I don't know what to call it, but their, their love for each other is bickering. And so uh, that's not for me. But anyway, if it comes to people in my life now, that I can see constantly complaining about something and yet unwilling to do the things necessary to fix it. I'm just kind of like gently letting them float away because yeah, I don't, I'm really trying to look at my relationships as such a thriving breathing, breathing part of my existence and my happiness and my well-being. Well-being I think is a better word than happiness. All right, moving on. Uh, After my interview with Chantel, Sensory Garden Play and Forest Schools, I did have a lot of comments, a lot of DMs, and it was awesome. I want to read aloud one particular question because I think it encapsulates all of the notions that I was hearing. This mama wrote, my kids are set up to start preschool in the fall. For all I can tell, it's a very good Montessori school. A few good friends have sent their kids there with great reviews. I researched forest and garden schools in my area, but unfortunately none offer the hours we need with full-time jobs. I guess I'm wondering this. If we continue to foster their love of outdoors when we have them after school and on weekends, will that help keep the momentum going in terms of their love of learning vestibular movement, et cetera? So the short answer is, yeah, totally, of course. Um, But I thought there was a big kind of can of worms here to open. Not can of worms, just a, a lot of interesting things. One of the reasons I chose to interview Chantel is there are a lot, there are a lot of forest 
and garden schools out there right now. And one thing I really loved about Chantella, she was in New Jersey. She didn't have a she didn't have a physical space. And if you see her in person, she really she almost looks like Marissa Tomei. She's really got this like New Jersey, my cousin Vinny feel to her. Yeah. And so she, she sort of belies the hippy dippy super, you know, and you could tell from her energy how passionate she was, but she wasn't this like, I don't know, those people annoy me, like the super hippy dippy, slow moving. I love my kid and we're super bonded and we play in the forest all day long. Like that's not my jam. I'm like, yeah, let's go bill shit in the forest. That's my jam. And so I really liked Chantel's take on it because I wanted you guys to start thinking outside the box. We've kind of gotten caught in this, um, this pattern all of us societally of needing the thing, the exact thing and not extrapolating out sort of different ideas or what's the root of it. And so like we tend to get locked into, and I heard this from a lot of parents, which was like, there's no forest school near me. And I was like, but I'm pretty sure there's some forest or some trees or some yard or some nature, right? So it doesn't have to be a forest school. You can love being outside. Yesterday, um, I went to get my oil changed and it was this horror, I mean, pouring rain, puddles everywhere. And so we were in the, you know, the, the lobby and God love my mechanics. They're, it's the stinkiest. They have prairie dogs and they have chinchillas in cages, but they don't like clean the cage or anything. It's just so stinky. I love the guys, but their waiting room is like not the best. So people prefer to be outside if they can. And this mama came in, her daughter was 18 months old and she dropped off her car. She had to wait for it. And I saw her gear up and her daughter and her went outside and waited outside the whole time. And they were in the pouring rain, playing in puddles, having a blast. And I even told her, I said, dude, this is so great to see. So Yes. It's not just being outside though. It's the elements. So be out in the pouring rain, be willing to play in mud. All of these things you can, what did you love? If you loved that interview with Chantel, if you love the idea for a school, start breaking it apart. What do you love about it? Is it letting kids build on their own? Like, I hope you guys all went to her Instagram because to me, I just feel like it's the best, the best pictures of kids working cooperatively, lifting heavy things, working hard, but having a blast doing it. Um, So can that be recreated? 100%. So pull out the things that really piqued your interest, pull out the things that really resonated with your heart and say, okay, well, how can I recreate that? Even if I'm in an apartment in New York City, where can I go? Where can I create this? You know, what can I do in my home? Could you hang more plants? Could you, you know, her idea of meditation, I think was the child, like, you know, just looking at a leaf or taking a flower that's been picked and, and taking off the petals. Like that's mindfulness. Anything with calm, focused attention, that's mindfulness. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be an app. It doesn't have to be within school. It doesn't have to be within these parameters. And you can absolutely do that. Now, you're going to have to, once your kids get in school. Now, first of all, this mama has a Montessori school. And as you know from my last podcast, um, I'm really stepping into the Montessori model because I think. It's just, it's the best. And I think it's the cure for all our autonomy ills right now. So it's great that you're going to a Montessori school, but even parents who are stuck in like, we all get stuck in these positions, right? We're like, maybe you're not able to move right now for educational purposes. There are people who move. There are people who move to go to the school they want. I have a friend who moved quite far with her kids to when she found the perfect Montessori school. So 
don't back yourself into victimhood. People do do it, you know, but if, if it's not available to you, there are other things you can do. And, so, and then even then, sometimes we're just stuck and our kids have to go to not the best school, maybe just our circumstances or whatever. And you know, it's not the best school, but you have to have them there. And then you, you do, you make up for it. If your kid's in a school where they have to sit all day long and they come out and they're cranky as fuck and you're like, oh, I wish this school did more big play, then you be in charge of the big play. And I wish it were different. I wish we didn't have to make up. I just wish our educational model in this country was completely revamped, but it's not going to happen. So, so much of this is us doing that when we get home. And I've always said, you know, when people ask me about homeschooling, I was like, everybody homeschools. It's just that you probably do it part time because I doubt any one of you gets home and from work and your kids get home and you're like, okay, stay on the iPad all day and eat Cheetos because I'm going to have a glass of wine and go watch Netflix. Those parents exist. I know they do. I used to work with them in social work, but I'm guessing that's not any of my audience here on Patreon. So you're already homeschooling. I'm sure just from, you know, we go through this so often on this podcast that you are paying attention to vestibular movement and proprioception and all those things. You know, I'll be honest, I feel like traditional schooling, particularly if you're in a public school setting that doesn't, that's not charter school, that doesn't have any flexibility or creativity, I do feel like the love of learning is stymied for a lot of kids. So, you know, you want to just kind of hit that at its root as soon as it starts and just continue. And one of the things I would say is as soon as your kids start going to preschool, no matter how lovely it is, I don't even care if it's a forest school, the minute and daycare, this goes for daycare too. When your child it has another caregiver all day and they come home and you feel it's your job to do quote unquote educational activities, which involves sitting and like, we're going to learn something now, your kid's going to rebel and you're going to, you're going to fuck it up. Don't do that. When you work, when both parents work outside the home, your kids in preschool or daycare or anything like that all day, and you get home, if you're thinking, what do I need to fill in educationally? It should never be pen to paper, sitting down, mimicking school. It should be big play. In the elementary years, you should always default to big play. You should always, uh, um, revert to or default to um, connection, reading, sitting, reading. Can we sing a song? Do you want to cook dinner with me? Connect, 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 connect. That clusterfuck time when both parents work outside the home, you're getting home with the kid from daycare. Literally any struggles you have, I can guarantee it's because your kid's connection bucket is empty and they want to connect with you. And you're trying to do too many things at once, which is natural, right? And so that's why when we keep backtracking this problem, keep reverse engineering it, we go, what if they could not, what if you didn't have to get a beautiful dinner on the table? What if you got home and you could wrestle and you could play games and you could go to the forest or you could go for, you know, to the park or whatever that means for your particular thing. So I I say this and I'm spending a great deal of time because it not only comes up with this forest school concept, but it comes comes up, we have a prevailing thread of victimhood right now in our society. Like, oh, well, you have that. Like, do you know how many people tell me on social media, oh, it must be nice to not have to work and be able to homeschool. Fuck you. Do you know my history? Do you know that I work every day? Do you know how I make this, you know, I work this into my life? But it's so much easier to say, I don't have that. Or people write into me about a specific circumstance and they say, well, I don't have that. So I can't do that. And you say, well, what's the nugget? What's the nugget of Jamie saying? Yeah. So what can I do to sort of rearrange it? I can't change your circumstance, guys. I I can't do that. Nobody can but you. And if your circumstance is not changeable, then you have to sort of 
it, you know, change your reaction to it, but also like, what's the nugget? What are you trying to get? What do, what am I saying? Or what do I have that you want And how can you sort of replicate that under your circumstances? And remember, not just elementary, but I would say definitely for the under four crowd, you need a whole lot fucking less. If you can find a tree, you've got some forest school right there. There's so much that could happen in that one tree in a small corner of a park. So don't limit yourself to like thinking you have to have the exact thing, but also don't limit yourself with victimhood. It's really driving me nuts, this like... It's really prevailing on social media. It's like, oh, must be nice to be you or, oh, must be nice to have the money you have. Fuck you. I've been poor my whole life. Yeah, it is nice to have the money. I have. I've worked really hard. So, so you know, don't fall into that. Like, like, really fall into a more powerful position of, all right, cool. I don't have a forest school. How can I, you know, my kids have to go to school. They have to go to this other school, you know, even if it's not a great Montessori school, maybe it's a sucky school, but all right, how can I like, how can I help them with, with the time I have with them? How can I help mitigate the effects of the crappy school or the effects of them sitting all day or whatever it is? Yeah. All right. I think I've beaten that dead horse. (laughs) I've beaten that horse into a dead horse. (laughs) All right. I I got a um I got a hilarious DM from an old client and I just wanted to share it because I'm sure you can all sympathize. She's like she said I just wanted to rant to someone who gets it. I am so fucking sick of candy. Candy at every holiday, candy at every birthday, candy in every grab bag, candy at every kids event. I told my kids school no more candy to bring home. I then told my kids if the school gives you candy, you better eat it right there before I pick you up because I will take it from you and throw it away. If they want to give candy, give it to them on their own time. My kids come home at 5 p.m. with candy and then they go they go to bed at 7. I am sick of it. So my school has actually been great about it, but then these fucking parents bring candy for a birthday. Bags of candy for each kid because you couldn't just sing happy birthday, right? So the kids are crying because it's 5 p.m. And I said, no, pick them up. Dinner is ready. They're eating a bag of shit. And I said, no candy. But the teacher was like, oh, it's not candy. It's just a bag of sugar-coated Oreo cereal pieces. (laughs) I just wanted to give you guys some comic relief because we've all been there. And it is such bullshit. And it is hard. And I know it's hard. And we have talked about this in the trauma food episode. We have talked about this in sugar episodes. It sucks. We all want to do in moderation, but sometimes in moderation isn't cool, isn't fair, isn't working out. I will be honest. It is one of the things that factored into my decision to homeschool. Of course, there were many, but I was so sick of my kid being jacked up with shitty food from all the events all the parties, school, birthday parties, that I never got to give him a treat. I was always the nutritional heavy. And I was like, you know, I don't mind being the nutritional heavy if that's what I got to do, but it sucks. It sucks when everybody else gets to drop these candy bombs on your kid and then you don't get to because you're like, all right, well, they had what they had today. I can't, you know, now I've got to be the, the one who comes down with the healthy stuff. And so- I got sick of that, (laughs) but I also, it's really hard and you have to petition. And some of it is, um, I've mentioned this woman before and here, her name is Tara. Oh, I forget her last name, but she runs slow down farmstead. It's on Instagram. She has a great sub stack and she, she's an amazing homesteader. She's been homesteading for years. She does all her own 
everything. She uses every part of the animal. She's amazing. And she writes about food in such a lovely way. But she really, she's done a couple of podcast episodes about how she took her own food everywhere and how she handled kids' stuff when her kids were little because she wouldn't allow any of the crap. And it was inspiring. To me, it's not... I don't want to say anything's ever unattainable because there's that victim mentality. For me, it it wouldn't have worked that way. Um, and it would have been too difficult for me. Even now, some of my nutritional stuff with Pascal, well, he's a teenager and he has to make his own choices, but sometimes it is out of not laziness, but God, I'm exhausted, you know? And so sometimes we do give in to nutritional, not so great things. <laughs> because we're exhausted. And, you know, I always say, we'll try to work backwards and try to fix those things. But I think sometimes we have to just be really proactive in our communities and, you know, school might be one of them. Um, it is, it is really hard. And I love that this mom is just taking a hard line and it might sound mean to somebody else, but I love like eat it now. Cause when you get it to me, I'm throwing it out. Some of this stuff is not cool. You guys, it's not just, Oh, it's just candy. I mean, we go back to like the food supply being so tainted now. Like you go back and look at candy, uh, you know, 50 years ago, it was different and they didn't have the dyes and they didn't have, you know, the high fructose corn syrup. They didn't have all these ingredients. You couldn't pronounce it. There was sugar, but the sugar wasn't compounded with all this other stuff. So it's changed and it it can't always be like a little won't kill them. Some of this shit is flat out poisonous. And so, you know, when you got kids eating candy at five and then they're going to go to bed at seven, you're going to have shitty sleep. Your, your sleep is going to be affected. And so, you know, sometimes we do have to take a really hard line on it. And, and again, I see all, I see all sides of the the camp on this one. I really do. I, I think I've been in every position. So I tend not to have a heavy hand and be like, you know, you don't, you're in charge and you, if you're letting your kids have crap, that's on you. I, I really can understand where we've gotten, but I do think a large portion a large portion of like what's kind of happening, even the last podcast episode I did on the crisis of autonomy, it's coming, we're too busy and we're all too tired all the time. And it's, it's fine if like on one night on Friday night, I think that's why like Friday night pizza night started because everybody's tired. Nobody wants to cook dinner, you know, like it's fine if that happens once in a while. But when we start taking these shortcuts all over the place because we're just so exhausted because we're so busy because we're doing too many things. We've got to slow down and, and, you know, do the nutritious thing, do the learning, learn with a cup. Don't give the pouches all the time. Those things we talked about in that last podcast. So anyway, long way of saying I'm fucking sick of the candy too. And it really does. Oh my God. It comes, it comes up so, so much. Um, There was another great comment on the Capacity podcast that said, (laughs) Susan, I I think Susan, yeah, said, yeah, my capacity for birthday parties is at zero. And she got a lot of likes on that in the comment section. (laughs) And so I thought that was a really funny comment, too. And I just wanted to back Susan up because... Yeah. Birthday parties fucking suck. And once your kid goes to school and you start dealing with like 24 of them, it's crazy. So I have said this numerous times. I'll say it again because I don't know who needs to hear it now today, but you can say no. A mama friend told me that when Pascal was little and I was overwhelmed by birthday party uh, invites. And she said, you can say no. And especially at these ages, you know, at two or three, they might not even notice they're not there. Do you know what I mean? When they get to be four or five and then the kids are talking about it the next day at school, then it, then it can kind of be a little bit 
different. But in these early ages, say no. So much. It's just so much better to stick to like a nice sleep and nap routine, nutritious food. I work with some families who have it nailed and it's just, they've just slowed everything down. And just like I talked about in the, um, in that crisis of autonomy podcast, when you slow down and make living your activity, there's just a settling of the nervous system and a calmness to the routine and to the day. That's just astounding. So really check in with that. And part of that is saying no to birthday parties. And you can also choose, I have never, I never, never, Pascal has never stepped foot in a Chuck E. Cheese. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Not ever before the age of six. The That's Vegas. It's Vegas for kids. Think of what Vegas does to us. <laughs> it jacks you up. It makes you crazy. So I just didn't, I, anyone, any party invites that came through for Chuck E. Cheese, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. We're so busy. And I just had no problem. His memory he didn't know by the time it happened. And even if the kids were talking about it at school, I was like, oh, honey, you had a baseball game or we had to go visit Meme. You can easily skirt by it at, at before a certain age. So, um, yeah, I hear you. The capacity for birthday parties is zero. And I think it happens even as they grow older. All right. I we were talking a while back about um I had given you guys a question about a a mama whose child became suddenly scared after being brave. And so she followed up in the comment and I thought this was also a really great comment. It was my, um, this is a follow-up on bravery after injury. My almost three-year-old is now climbing up on smaller rocks and to take two or three steps on a hanging ladder on the playground. I reflect the behavior back to her. I see that you took two steps on the ladder and that takes a lot of courage. I offer my help to go further. Would you like me to help you climb all the way up and respect when she doesn't want to go further? Is there anything else I can do or will she just have to build her confidence over time? Yeah, she will have to build her confidence over time and know there's nothing else you can do. You can, and I would honestly like reflect, like I would reflect what she did and that's it. I wouldn't layer a feeling on it for her that, may not be there, you know? So I also really believe in like some realistic, some realistic reflection. So I understand that she's going through a lot because of the injury. Yeah. So I like how you said, I see that you took two steps on the ladder. That takes a lot of courage. Uh, Like, did it take a lot of courage or is she just kind of working through? Like, I don't know that for certain. So I'd rather you say something like, wow, I see you took Two steps on that ladder. You can just literally reflect back what she's doing without necessarily assuming the emotional process she's going through. I also think that you could offer help. Instead of, do you want me to help you go further? See, you're putting a judgment on that. You want her to go further. You could keep it more open-ended and say, you know, is there any, is there anything you need my help with? You know, or you could ask her, you know, is that rope slippery? Oh, okay. Is that rope? You know, so you're bringing awareness to her situation as opposed to, um, it feels like in those two comments, it, it feels like you have an agenda, which you do is you want to help her get braver, but you may never, I mean, she may never be the brave girl. She was, she hit and hurt herself. You know what I mean? She fell and hurt herself. And there's all kinds of people now who can't, rebuild that confidence. And that's okay. You know, like she just may be a different kid now and that's okay. But what we want to do in these situations is not plug our agenda and you're doing a good job, mama, right? I I see where you're going with it. And it's just, I would leave off the tail ends of those, like the judgment about her process courage. And do you want me to go, do you want me to help you go further? Right? Like, do you want, it could be, do you need help backing up? 
right? Or do you need anything right now? And so it's a little more open-ended. All right. Uh, let me see what we got going on here. One last question. All right. General question for upcoming Q&A. My son is four years old and has started lying. He'll tell me he washed his hands when he didn't or brushed his teeth when he didn't. I haven't um, scolded him harshly, but I do say, oh, that's not true. Don't lie to me. Let's go do X, Y, Z. If you need my help with these things, you can ask. I remember doing this as a kid about brushing my teeth and um, and I didn't turn into a big liar. <laughs> But is there a better way to respond when you know it's 100% a lie? Yeah, because he's got like dirty hands or um, bad breath or whatever. So, yeah, we had done a whole lying podcast. Uh, I can't remember which one that was, but we've um, we've addressed lying big and small and when it can hurt people for sure. Like when you start lying about what kids did to you or what somebody did to you and it's not true and somebody could get in trouble for it. Now, these little things, honestly, don't even give them a second thought. And actually, you don't have to scold them and, and you don't have to be easy on them. You could be like, honey, I know you're lying. I can smell your breath. Like my mom used to straight up smell our hands, which is a brave thing. It's like how moms smell underwear to see if they're clean. Like that's a brave undertaking. But like you can just tell him, ooh, you could just tell him and be like, no, I smell your hands. Your hands are dry. Stop lying to me. Go, go wash your hands. Cut it out. Like I would just be like really like no nonsense about it and like stop. You didn't go do it. Kids don't like to clean themselves. Personal hygiene is not high on their agenda. They don't love brushing their teeth. I mean, I lied all the time about brushing my teeth because they don't get it. They don't get that they have bad breath. They don't get that the plaque builds up. They don't get that they'll get cavities. There's no, there's kind of that no long-term thinking, you know, and which ties into another thing I've been getting recently, another statement. My kid doesn't seem to care. My kid doesn't seem to care that his teeth are gross. Yeah, because your kid doesn't care. It's not their job right now. So (laughs) remember, kids don't care about the grown-up things that we care about because we know the ramifications. We know that without bad, you know, when you have bad breath, people are going to shy away from you. Pretty soon you won't have friends. We know that if you build up enough plaque, you're going to get cavities. It's going to be painful and it's going to suck and cost you money. They don't know that. And even if they did know that, they still don't have a job. It's not their money. It They don't get it. You know what I mean? So they don't care about these things. So I would just shake it off. You know, when it starts getting into, again, like, more serious things where they could, where they start maybe blaming, not blaming, but um, accusing people of things that didn't happen. That's when lying gets kind of shady. But these little things, I would honestly just brush them off for real. All right. And I want to close out with a thing that I have 100% said before, but I have to go over it again. Because I I think I told you guys I was going down this like Montessori rabbit hole on Instagram and it's great. And I love that so many of these mamas are really honest and they're like, you know, hey, thanks for all the lovely comments. But remember, I'm showing you the finished product. I'm not showing you all the mistakes that were made. I'm not showing you the things. And I saw a couple on like co-regulation and it was really cool because this mama in this particular one, she was she did a good job of co-regulating. And then the comments were really funny because people were like, well, I do that and they still scream. Or this gentle parenting notion that you're trying to fix a behavior. And I would say that's just, that's not the goal, especially when the behavior is a high emotion. So if you're trying to get your kid to stop the feeling, them from feeling the feeling, you're actually not doing gentle parenting at all. I don't care 
if you talk to your child in this lovely, soft voice all the time and try to validate that, as soon as you allow them the thing they have when they're tantruming, as soon as you do the thing, cave to the picky eating, whatever the thing is that gets them to stop the feeling, that is not gentle parenting at all. It's permissive parenting, and it's going to get you into a load of crap because what's going to happen is you're squashing your kid's feeling with an external thing. So remember, if you're going for a gentle parenting, I prefer responsive parenting. If you're looking to be a super responsive parenting, that doesn't mean stopping the feeling. Yeah. And our kids have humongous feelings. And so when we look back on like, can you sit there and co-regulate with the big feeling? Great. If you can, awesome. If you can't, fine. That's all right too. Then we use the go to your room strategy. So they're not in your face. They're not yelling in your ear, right? If you know you have trigger points, work on your triggers. Like we come back to these notions again and again and again, because it's not the kid. The kid at this age developmentally is going to have big unregulated emotions. And our goal is not to squash them. It's to model regulation. It's to help them learn self-regulation, right? That's what the go to your room is. Can you take space away? Can you get out of this thing and distract yourself? Because if they can do that, that's miraculous. By the way, co-regulation is calm. It's not distraction. You might offer a quick distraction of, okay, hey, I can see you're having a really big feeling. Would you like to go do something else? But when you start doing like, hey, you want this? Do 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 you want this? Now you're trying to squash the feeling. Now you're basically saying, I want you to shut up at any cost. So I'm even willing to go over my particular boundaries, my my typical boundaries to get you to be quiet, to get you to stop feeling this big feeling because it's uncomfortable for me. So please bear that in mind. I see this running across the board and ah, the gentle parenting thing has gone overboard. It's it's a mess right now. It's the pendulum has swung so far in a weird direction. It's not at all what gentle parenting was supposed to be, but like everything, we just we take it to the nth degree. I think that's just human nature, right? Uh, and again, I'm, I'm in this case. I mean, I didn't do a gentle parenting, but I do it with other things. I, I just take it to the nth degree till I'm about to implode. And then I'm like, oh shit, this not really working the way I thought it would. <laughs> so just keep that in mind, okay? It's not, you got to let the emotions go. You got to let it flow. It's about the, the next step is not getting the kid to shut up. It's like, what's happening? Why can't you be present with this? The, and that's your fault, right? And not your fault. I mean, you probably didn't install the triggers, but it's your job to take care of them. So when you come to me and say, I need my kid to be quiet because I'm triggered by loud noises, guess what? That's not your fucking kid's problem. That's your problem. You need to go get help for that. And that could be those earplugs. That could be therapy. That could be EMDR. It could be all these other things, right? But you can't say, you got to watch it. It's happening a lot. And again, it's like this parent victimhood. It's like, my kid's doing this and I get triggered so that they need to stop. No, you need to get help with that trigger. All right. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to, I'm going to log off today. Uh, as always, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. I appreciate your comments and your questions and all the dialogues we hear at, have here on Patreon. Rock on. Okay. Bye everyone. Just a reminder, if you need additional resources, I have Oh Crap Potty Training. I have Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler. Those books are available everywhere you want to find a book. <laughs> you can also go to my website, jamieglowacki.com, where you can book private 
sessions with me, buy any of my courses. Those are really geared towards potty training help. And also I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook anymore and I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, jamie.glowacki, and I do a lot of lives and uh, usually posting a lot of good information. So those are extra resources for you. And as always, rock on. Have an awesome day.